Rebirth of Venus. I'm Caitlin Matanley, and I'm a spiritual mindset coach, a personal development junkie, an all-around Venus worshiper, and a powerful witch. I'm here to talk dirty about evolution, revolution, and how to embody the archetype of Venus, original bad bitch, every damn day. Thanks for listening. everybody. Welcome to Rebirth of Venus. Today, I have such an awesome interview for you. It's going to be such a treat. I'm here with Amanda Gibby-Peters of Simple Shui. And Amanda is somebody I met in Marrakesh, Morocco, actually. In fact, if you listened a few episodes ago, or maybe it was last month, I don't know, the time flies, you might remember my interview with Alice Wild of Vivian Vets. And on that same fateful trip to Marrakesh, I met the amazing Amanda Gibby Peters, who is a modern feng shui, I don't know, genius. (laughs) I love, love, love her down-to-earth approach to the ancient art of feng shui. In fact, I remember so clearly our first conversation on the topic when I inquired, Amanda, I hear a lot about energy being sort of drawn to certain areas of your home and how that can say something about something that has to be cleared up in your life. And I said, so tell me, what does it say to me if I can never keep my sink of dishes clean? And she said, with complete seriousness, maybe it just means you need to clean your dishes. (laughs) And so that is why I love her approach. And today we're here to talk about how we can use feng shui to bring in more of what we want and get rid of all the shit we don't. So Amanda Gibby-Peters is the creator and founder of Simple Shui. She's been teaching feng shui techniques and tips for over a decade, witnessing the amazing life transformations of readers and clients alike. Her work triggers opportunities, enhances our potential for success, and reconnects us with our own wisdom to influence positive change. Amanda has been called, I kid you not, the Martha Stewart of feng shui. I mean, what, what's better than that? I don't even know. And her work has been featured on Architectural Digest, My Domain, Food 52, Gala Darling, Glitter Guide, Astro Twins, Mind Body Green, Clementine Daily, Well and Good, and Savannah. And for those of you who love Amazon, she can you can currently listen to Am- Amanda on Amazon's Alexa. Back in the day when I had an Alexa, which was brief, Sadly, she wasn't on that yet, on that yet, because I could have really used her for my dishwashing questions. <laughs> Amanda's Dallas-based with an international clientele. She lives with her husband and badass. I mean, literally, they're badass. I follow them on Instagram and they are fashion icons, twin daughters. So welcome to the show, Amanda. How are you today? Oh, thank you so much. And I am doing great. I am doing actually excellent because we're sitting here having this conversation. So thank you. <laughs> Ah, love it so much. So I brought Amanda on the show today to teach us how to use feng shui to increase the flow of love, abundance, and creativity, as well as overall ease into our lives. You know, all that good Venus shit, how do we bring it in and how do we keep it there? (laughs) So Amanda, why don't you just take a minute and introduce yourself to us if there's anything I didn't touch on 
Tell us about how you got started with feng shui and why you're so passionate about it. Oh, well, you know what? I was just on a call with a client and I just shared this story, so I'm a little warmed up. Um, how did I come to feng shui? Because that really is probably a great way to um, explain my approach. So moved to a new state, bought a new house. This was, I mean, 13 years ago now. And everything visually was great. The house was fantastic. It had everything we needed more than enough space. Um, you know, we had moved for a job, so everything seemed to, should have been favorable, except that after we moved in, there were things that started happening, unraveling, problems, things sneaking up on us. You know, we never knew what was right around the corner. And the entire experience was very unsettling. And I didn't have any tools for fixing what I couldn't explain, <laughs> which was it just felt like we had run into a series of bad luck. And at the time, The Secret was super popular, and I had grabbed that book sort of in a dark moment and just let the book fall open, and I saw the words feng shui. Now, all through college, I was totally into energy work and you know, went to those stores and bought the crystals and the incense and all that kind of stuff. So I was familiar with feng shui, but I had never really gone into it. And so in that moment, I remember I was eye rolling thinking, are you kidding me? I'm going to move my stuff and it's going to change my life. Yeah, right. But that was a better feeling than what I had been feeling even a few seconds before I saw those words. And so that stirred a curiosity. I got on Amazon. I found at the time, there were only a few books on feng shui available. I found two. I ordered them. And I really went into it with the approach of, I mean, the total arrogance of like someone who knows nothing about feng shui. Like I'm going to prove that there's no way that this works. And I started doing the little simple, inexpensive things that these books were recommending and things started changing. And my shoulders kind of went down a little, my head lifted a little, like, wait a second, what, is this really working? And so then with a more sincere effort, I started changing other things in our space and taking it, um, you know, approaching it with a little different respect. And within a year, our lives had completely changed. Um, and, and in so many ways, like my husband had a different job. Our girls were finally accepted into a program where before when we had moved in, um, you know, all the preschools were full and we couldn't get them enrolled anywhere. Um, I had a freelance income finally coming in and a lot of things that had felt so acute a year before were way in the past. And it was that experience that led me to wanting to learn everything there was about feng shui. At that time, I wasn't really thinking, oh, I'm going to become a feng shui practitioner. I just wanted to understand, like, how is it that the things around us could, those little changes that we made, how could that have such an impact on what we were experiencing out in the world? And that led to me buying all the books. That led to me reaching out to all the authors, having conversations with anyone who would answer my emails. And eventually I signed up for a certification program and, you know, 
many certification programs later and a blog and all the things that I've done, here we are. <laughs> so that's the story. I love it. And I love that you really focused on what just felt better in that moment. So that moment where you were, you knew you were feeling bad and you didn't really trust even that this was going to lead anywhere. And yet you still just, you, you knew that it would feel better. You knew that it did feel better and you just followed that feeling and it took you down on this amazing path. I absolutely love that. Yeah, it is. And I think a lot of times people, you know, well, very specifically with feng shui, when the opportunities show up, if they don't look, walk, talk the way you think, don't judge, just pay attention to how you feel. Because sometimes, even though it might not be great or ideal or what you envisioned, just that little bit of difference is the hand helping you out. Absolutely. I completely agree. So Okay, first I want to talk about how, and this is such a good like lead-in, it's what I want to talk about first, which is how we can use feng shui to step into a place of receiving rather than constantly making things happen. So I think of this as the Venus rather than Athena energy. Athena being like, we're going to get it done, we're going to do the things, and Venus being more receptive. It's not that, you know, it's not, not about taking action, it's about recognizing that we can work with the energy that we're surrounded by rather than against it. Yeah. I think the first thing is really learning how to practice detachment. I mean, I know personally from the clients that I work with that you have the clients who have all the goals and objectives. You know, all clients come with their goals and objectives. This is what I'm using feng shui for. And I have the clients who all sorts of things will happen, but they just maintain this attitude of, okay, so what can I do here? What can I, where can I focus my attention on? Let me go back to some of the practices that you shared with me. And they really stay in that space. And then you have other clients, and, and we're all guilty of this, myself included, of judging what's happening. And that is how we get in our way. That's how we throw up the walls. Um, and so one of the things I say is you, you can be positive. You can have positive expectations, but you really need to stay neutral. You need to do the work that shows up and remember that you're the biggest influencer of the energy in your space of that signature energy. And if you're judging or complaining or criticizing what's happening, that will always slow down anything that's coming your way. Absolutely. I completely agree. You know, and it's, it's so, it can be difficult to not be attached or just to recognize that we are attached and not judge it. I mean, even with my coaching clients, I say, you know, we talk about like aligned action in terms of like the manifestation world. It's the same concept because people tend to think like, okay, I took my aligned action, but nothing yeah. happened. What now? Yeah. It's <laughs> a know? tennis match. It's like a tennis match. You, you send out the ball, your intentions, here's what I want. And then something comes back and you're like, no. And so nothing, you know, it goes balling back and forth and you will stay in that space. You will stay in that space until you sort of just surrender and say, okay, I am really open to whatever happens. And I trust that the work I've done, that the things I've put in place, that my intention is enough. You know, that's another thing we run into, especially as women. Like, is this good enough? Is this enough? And 
and we want to overcomplicate the process. And what we have to learn to do is to become like Mother Earth and just receive the rain, receive what you know comes into the soil, and sit back and allow those things, whether they're compliments or any sort of money or any anything good that comes our way, to really fully be present with it and accept it. Absolutely. And you know, we never know how it coming back is going to look. We have this idea of what success looks like, but the reality is it might come back in a different form. In fact, it usually does. And we do have to trust that it's working. Yeah, it always does. I will say this. Here's here's what you don't want. You don't want me to try to tell you how feng shui is going to work because I'm just not that creative. Like my client stories are some of my most favorite things because it is really beautiful to see how the universe so oh like the attention to detail how so perfectly delivered the results are for what you didn't even know you needed or wanted and when you limit yourself to what you think is possible or what you think i think is possible you shut down so many creative avenues for how that can show up in your life. Absolutely. Actually, I remember last year I sent you a message because it was right before I moved into my current apartment, which was my boyfriend's apartment. And one weekend he was gone, he was out of town, and I decided to surprise him by doing his like huge mountain of laundry, which sounds really unromantic, but it just, you know, he was really happy about it. And literally the day after this laundry was finished and put away and he came back, he received news that he was going to get a promotion at work that he had been in line for and had been stuck on for like months. And guess where the pile of laundry had been? It had been in his like abundance and prosperity area, according to feng shui. And I was like, Amanda, you'll never believe it. And you were like, of course, of course. (laughs) And this is what I'm saying. So many people want the things, right? We want to bring things in. We want to bring in the crystals or we want to bring in the water fountain or, you know, whatever it is that we hear is going to trigger love or money or career opportunities. And most of the time it begins with taking things out. It begins with really learning or relearning how to appreciate what's right in front of us. It's getting into communication with your space. Those are the things where the most potent potential sits. Right. It's like, we can't just buy a bunch of pretty crystals when our place is a mess and filled with piles of laundry. (laughs) Right. And as a side note, let me just say, you know, crystals amplify energy. So when people start asking for those things, I'm very cautious because whatever you're bringing into your space, you know, especially when you're doing feng shui cures, you need to remember that a lot of these are to magnify or amplify or double. And if you don't like what's going on around you, (laughs) cleaned up in a while, I don't think that you want to heighten that experience. So yeah, there's always that, okay, proceed with caution. (laughs) Oh my God. I literally got goosebumps. As you said that I've never thought about that way before. You're absolutely right. Like, what are you magnifying? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this magic works and magic is fun. Magic is also serious business. (laughs) I mean, he was definitely magnifying his laundry situation for sure. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But you see like that, the beautiful metaphor there is when we clear up space and this is one of those things that seems so simple that sometimes people just cast it aside. But when you actually clear physical space, open space, you 
provide the universe room to bring something else in. And I know people don't think that that makes sense, but you would never go and buy like a new refrigerator without knowing that someone is going to take the old one away. (laughs) And it's the same thing. If you've got stuff shoved in every corner of these different life areas, you don't really well, first of all, you're not signaling to the universe that you can handle more. But secondly, you don't have anywhere for it to arrive. You don't have anywhere to treat it as a guest of honor. You don't have anywhere to take it in. So true. I love that. You don't have any place to treat it as the guest of honor. We just think about what we can bring in, like, give me this, give me that without actually thinking, do we have space for it? You're absolutely right. Okay, so I let, I want to ask you about, so in feng shui, and I'm just going to like immediate, just, just very briefly define what I'm talking about based on what I know. There are different areas of the home that are attributed to different areas of your life. Um, and what I'm wondering, because you do in many ways have an unconventional approach where you are looking at a lot more things than just that sort of like, Instagrammable, put something red in your love area kind of approach. (laughs) And so I'm wondering your perspective on how obsessed we need to be with looking at those certain areas. And, you know, for example, and to anyone listening, if you need to like get a visual for what we're talking about, you can just like Google feng shui map. Um, I'll put I'll put a link to one in the show notes. But how much do we really need to focus on those areas or how much is that oversimplifying the process? So I'm going to answer that two ways. One, the feng shui map is actually a really fantastic tool when people are brand new to feng shui because it's really easy to perceive, which makes it super easy to practice. So as someone who is brand new to feng shui, it introduces you at a very basic level to how your house is working for or against you energetically. Okay. So when you come to it, it's, it's great. It's a great way to become acquainted with this practice. That said, feng shui is thousands of years old and there is so much there beneath the surface. And when you have studied it and practiced it and it's, you know, really become your lifestyle, what you understand is the layout is generally one of the last things you're going to consider. Um, when like as, as a practitioner, when I go into a space, I'm going to look at how energy flows through your home or your office or your room. I'm going to look at the quality of energy within that space. And that's not just clutter. It's, you know, what's happening on the walls. What are your pictures saying? You know, what do you choose to put on yourselves? Like, I want to understand that. And there is no wrong or right. I just want to get a sense off of you what this stuff means. You're going to look at the room through the perspective of the five elements. You know, when we were in Marrakesh, that was one of the things that, you know, I had talked about, which is really understanding how all of those elements, the five elements, water, wood, fire, earth, metal, they all need to be in a space together um, to really nourish and support you. I'm going to look at the yin-yang balance. There are all these different aspects that affect how we feel and really you're trying to get a sense of the overall chi or energy, life force, whatever you want to call it in a space, because ultimately it is either nourishing and nurturing you, or it is disrupting and discouraging you. 
Ooh, I love that. That really, I mean, I'm looking around my apartment as we speak and I'm just asking myself that same question, you know? <laughs> I love that approach. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people take inventory of their things. We get really familiar. And what happens is, and I appreciate you saying, you know, like the little Instagram post of, you know, put something right here. I think what happens, it goes back to what I said earlier. We find the one thing that we can bring in instead of kind of doing the push up the sleeves and start really taking inventory of what's already happening around you. Because a lot of times you can pull one or two things out or move things around or rearrange things and fix whatever challenges you're facing without ever having to buy something or bring something new in. Yes. You know, it's so, I, I always come back to that. I feel like in so much of my work, it's not about, you know, that you have to buy something to step into, you know, your highest potential. You can buy something and it can support that, but you're absolutely right. I mean, like we said at the beginning, if your place is a mess and there are piles of things everywhere, it doesn't matter how many things you bring in, you might actually be doing more harm than good. You absolutely are. There's <laughs> <laughs> no might about it. <laughs> Let me be clear. And that is not said with any judgment. It is said honestly from a place of love because I know people get so frustrated. And I have clients who have had for years who are like, Amanda, I'm not getting the results that I used to get and what's happening and I'm so confused. And it is such an honest, sincere mistake that, you know, they're putting up all the different cures or remedies that they've learned over the years, or they're gathering their own little intel on the internet. And then I go and it's something as simple as what is happening in your office right now? Why did you move your desk from the power position? You know, different things like that, that actually trigger kind of the gremlins that you're dealing with instead of like, why is feng shui not working? No, the feng shui is working. <laughs> there's good feng shui and then there's not so good feng shui. And so it's, it's, it's just, it's an honest mistake to make that we think that these things that we've grown accustomed to, or this is just the way it is, or I'm going to eventually get to that, that they're not causing harm. But in fact, they are, they're usually the culprit. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So I'm going to take this opportunity to go into a self-serving question that I know <laughs> it's, it's a self-serving question, but I know it's one that it's probably one of the most common questions you get. So it's not just about me here, I swear. So what about those of us who live with pack rats? <laughs> mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is this, I mean, my, the person I live with, my love, it comes from a long line of, you know, what I would call hoarders. <laughs> No, but the reality is this. I mean, I'm, a, I'm more of a minimalist and he's just from a lineage of people who keeps things. Part of it's cultural, part of it's just what he was taught. And what do we do when we live with somebody who doesn't share the same perspective on maybe um, organization or on getting rid of things that are broken or that no longer serve? How can we be you know, we don't want to approach it from like, you're doing this wrong because that brings bad energy into the space. And so how can we create a compromise that still creates a powerful space for everybody? Well, I think there, again, a couple answers to that. One, you can't ever feng shui other people. You know, I, I do get that question a lot. Well, it's my kids or it's my spouse or it's my roommate. And you can't because feng shui isn't cleaning and it's not organizing. Those are parts of it. But feng shui is ultimately about aligning yourself with 
intention. It's aligning yourself with fortune. It's aligning yourself with better energy. And you can't do that for anybody. So what I recommend people do is understand why the need for clutter or you know, hoarding or holding on to a lot of things exists. And what I will say is that there are times in people's lives where it's serving a purpose. Um, so a quick example, if I go into someone's home and they have a small child and, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, his bedroom makes me crazy. Well, consider it from his point of view for a second. Here's this young child who goes out into this world that's very yang every day, right? And what I mean by yang is it's loud, it's active, it's bright, it's scary. There's a lot of information coming at him. And when he comes home, he has done what is so instinctually strong in us, which is to create boundaries, to create a little protection. And so all those little things that seem like clutter to us that make us crazy are actually his natural way of creating protection and barriers and self-soothing, okay? And so you have to understand that that's what he's doing and you wanting it all cleaned up is actually more about serving your needs. Ooh. And that's not from Trey. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop as usual. Amanda Gibby Peters putting me in my corner. <laughs> no, but- so, well, here's the thing. There does come a point where like clutter is just clutter or the things are just too much, right? But, you know, when someone's gone through an abusive relationship, when someone has a traumatic past, when someone does dangerous work for a living, when someone is, you know, um, phasing into kind of those final stages of their lives, Those are all times where you have to understand that that clutter is not just a nuisance, it's serving a purpose. And so what I tell people is the best thing you can do is if it really is a bother and you want to help, you constantly have conversation about it and not in an annoying way. But a lot of times when we're able, just like going to therapy, when we're able to process through the emotions, when we're able to get that stuff up and out, then the things don't serve the same purpose anymore. Uh, I love that. It's such a compassionate approach. And, you know, I'm absolutely, I joke about it, but I'm the first to admit that I know I can be a little hard headed about how I think things should be. I'm a Capricorn, you know. <laughs> but, and I, <laughs> I am too. <laughs> I remember. And I think that a lot of women, especially, we feel like it's our job to, you know, look after people and to and that looks the way we want it to look for us. And we have to recognize that our way isn't necessarily the right way. And, you know, the reality is. In my case, he has gotten rid of so many things since we've lived together. So, you know, it's really the process. And I've been decluttering since I was, you know, seven years old. So I'm a freak. I'm a freak. Right. <laughs> Not everyone's a weirdo like I am, you know. <laughs> no, I get it. I totally get it. I'm like, I can do this stuff in my sleep. <laughs> Absolutely. And, okay, so in line with that, and this is, I know, another common question. What do you do when, um, say your prosperity area is an area that's sort of dominated by someone else. So maybe it's like your child's room or maybe it's your partner's office or it's a space that isn't really yours. Maybe you do have, you know, maybe it's a shared space, but it's not a space you really have a lot of control over. Are we just screwed in that area if it stays messy? No. No, absolutely not. And people do get really panicked about that. Like, what am I supposed to do? My kids are in my love section. They're always fighting. This is why my marriage is falling apart. No, actually it's not. Here's the thing. When you look at that map, remember I said it is 
as a practitioner and someone who, you know, kind of is a little more of an expert in this, you, it's the last thing I'm going to consider. I'm going to look at what's actually happening in your bedroom, the shared space that the two of you have. Um, I'm going to look at what's happening in the house. Is there a lot of yang features? Is there, are there the elements, you know, fire and earth that really like to support relationship energy? I'm going to look and make sure that both people are represented in the space. Do they feel like they're on equal footing? Do they feel like they both matter? You know, those are some of the things that I'm going to suss out before I worry about what's happening in the love section you know, that maybe the kids are in. And then, and then if the client is really insistent on, you know, this is where the problem is rooted, (laughs) I will tell you that you can take that map and you can lay it over anything and everything. So there's the way that the map lays over your house itself, but you can also lay it over the entire property. And so you have access to a love and relationship. You know, if you have property in a backyard, you have access to it outside. You can lay it over a bedroom. And I would tell people, pick a few rooms that you spend a lot of time in, find the love and relationship section for that specific room and reinforce anything that you feel you might be struggling with, reinforce that support or that solution in those areas in those rooms. So you can take that map and apply it as macro or as micro as you want. Oh, I, you know, I actually remember just recently, I believe you sent out an email newsletter about like layering the shui, the shui. Yeah. I always want to say shui. (laughs) I know a lot of people do the feng shui. (laughs) I say feng shui, but if I just say Shui, I want to say shui. I don't know. But, um, and I, I thought that was really interesting, but I admit part of me got like a little scared that if I layered the shui, so for example, if, you know, I applied the, the Bagua map to a different room or a different space, then I would like fuck it up somehow. Is, is it possible to fuck it up? No, not really. Here's where people, this is where I think people do more damage than they do good. It's laying the map over different rooms. Like any, any improvement you make in a space is only going to improve the energy of the house. And that's only going to improve how you feel, right? Like there's no, there's no concern about, are you, you know, is this going to mess things up? But what I find that a lot of people do is they will take maybe, um, you know, Western feng shui, the, the, the Bagua approach to feng shui, and then they mix in a little compass and then they throw in flying stars. And then that's when things get really crazy and you start getting ridiculous results. And I mean, ridiculous in the true sense, like not great. So I would tell people when you practice feng shui, until you have been in the game for a while, you really need to stick to one school. They all work. They're all valid. The best way to approach which one to use is which one feels the most friendly, the most inviting, um, the most supportive of what your needs are, and then go with it. Don't worry about whether one's more correct or not, because most practitioners, most of us agree that they all work. They all have their beautiful benefits. They're all valid. Um, Just don't try mixing them. Because that's where you get really confused and you can mess things up. That makes sense. I think that's really true for everything. You know, you can always, like, if you just stay focused and concentrate your efforts, you can actually see what the effects are 
And I think a lot of times, because we have so much information available to us on the internet, it's really easy to like think we're an expert overnight. I mean, I've only ever even touched the Bagua, the, the, the feng shui map approach. And so rest of it, I'm just like, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. And it's fascinating. Sometimes again, when you're on like Pinterest or your Instagram, or I mean, I don't know, even pick up a magazine at, you know, the grocery store, you'll see some blip about feng shui. And if you don't really understand where it's coming from, or you don't understand what context it's being pulled from, you know, you come home and you're like, okay, I can do this. And then nothing happens or nothing changes. And you're like, well, feng shui doesn't work. And it's not that it's just a lot of times these things are taken out of context. That makes sense. Definitely. Okay. So let's talk about creativity. So the way I look at creativity, when we're feeling creatively stagnant, it's even harder to birth blessings effortlessly. So how can we use shui to step into our full creative potential in everything we do? So I love that you use creativity and birthing in the same sentence because on the feng shui map, you know, you have the section that's known as children and creativity and that area. So just so everyone knows what I'm talking about, stand, imagine you're standing at your front door, you're looking into your space, you're dividing it into a tic-tac-toe board. So you have nine equal squares. I want you to go to the far right middle square, and that would be where your children and creativity section sits. And that's all about any sort of creative projects or something, some big idea that we want to manifest out into the world. It's anything we want to give birth to, including our kids. And it's also where you would, you know, um, sleuth out anything that might be happening to your kiddos. But it really is a lot of future projection energy. So I love that you say, you know, that, that you brought up creativity and birthing because they do go well together. So when you are in a place where you feel stagnant, the very first thing I tell people to do is to move 27 things around. 27 is just one of those numbers that feng shui practitioners love because it's nine times three. Three, you know, is such a popular number just in general. Nine, because it's the most yang single digit that represents manifestation, completion, you get 27. Okay. So move 27 things around. What this does is it begins to change your perspective. And I joke all the time when people ask me about this, that I can prove it. If you let me come into your house and I just switch around like the silverware drawers or something in the kitchen, <laughs> you're going to see how on autopilot you live <laughs> because you're going to constantly go back to that same drawer and go, oh, that's right. You know, it wakes you up. When you move 27 things in your house, it does the same thing because when you start seeing things differently, you see opportunities that you weren't seeing before. So that is a really simple thing you can do. You don't have to complicate that. You can move things a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right, or you can totally move rooms around. You can get as crazy as you want with it. The other thing that I like to tell people to do when they get stuck creatively is to wear white or to use more white in their surroundings because that really is about the pursuit of something new. It pushes you in a new direction. And white is the color that's actually associated with that area, that children creativity area. 
Oh, wow. So my white litter boxes for the cats in there are perfect. Yes. <laughs> you're like, uh, no, Caitlin, you're missing the point. <laughs> now, you know, you got to make it work for you. Listen, I've had people ask me, what color should I buy? Like, what color should my trash can be? And I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, if you, if you have to buy a new one, why not? Now, the 27 things, which I love because I'm going to actually do that later. I love that idea. Does that include getting rid of things? So could some of those things be discarded or donated or is it literally just moving? Yeah, I mean, getting rid of stuff, it's just moving things so that they don't, they're not the same as they were before. Got it, got it. And it's funny because this is something that a lot of people will have resistance to. Like you get a room or a bookshelf or whatever it is styled a certain way. And when people have resistance to this, and this is really simple, right? But when people have resistance to this, I'm like, do you see? Like, this is how you're showing up in the world. You're Ooh, afraid of yeah. change. And so go for it. Everything can generally be put back if it makes you crazy, but there's no harm in changing things around and trying to get outside of your own box. Yes. I love that. I mean, what a great way to foster more creativity by like forcing yourself to see things differently. Yes. Yes. And trying new things, like just trying new things because you don't change if you don't change. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, so good. So good. Okay. Now one of probably, I have a feeling that the next two topics, let's just say are probably the two areas people ask about the most. Um, and the first is love. So yes, <laughs> you're like, no, no one's ever asked about that before. <laughs> so the way I look at, you know, love, the kind of two biggest problems, I'm putting that in quotes that I, that people tend to have are either they want to attract a partner and they're not, or they're in a partnership and they want to kind of keep it fun, keep it interesting, keep it, you know, spicy. So any tips or, um, things that we can shift around, in order to bring more love from either perspective into our lives? Well, so let's start with the want to attract love. What I would say is you need to go into your bedroom and look right now and ask yourself, does it look like I'm ready to receive a partner? Meaning, is your bed such that if someone were to stay over, there's room? Do you have space for that person's things? Do you have just even a little bit of space in the closet or the bathroom? You know, what are you dedicating to the spaces in your room, on the walls? Are they pictures of you on vacation by yourself? Are they singular pictures? Do you have things in the space that denote partnership? You know, all of these little subtle cues are really powerful because everything that's in our surroundings is having a constant conversation with our subconscious. And as we know from all like the secret on, you know, our subconscious is really super powerful. It's like the elephant and our conscious brain is that little ant, right? So you want to put these sort of notes of partnership around you so that while you're in the space, while you're sleeping, that that is what your energy is being fed so that you go out into the world and that's what you radiate. It's these little, little tiny shifts that can make all the difference. Um, when someone is in a relationship and they want to spark it up, I, I'll speak from experience. What I have seen in people's homes is a lot of times the bedroom has sort of become um, the reservoir for everything that doesn't have a space. 
Mm. Okay. Your bedroom is about sleep. It's about silence and it's about sex and anything else that's in there is not a welcome or worthy bedfellow. So when I go in and I see that people have the exercise equipment or they have the laundry or they're bringing their work to bed or they have the stack of books by their bed, which I love and I go through those phases too. Um, They have all the essential oils by the bed. They have magazines. There's stuff on the floor. There's stuff under the bed. You're not really prioritizing relationship energy because if you don't prioritize your own well-being first and foremost, no one else is going to. And let me just say, because we're talking about this, that, you know, your bedroom really speaks to relationships, regardless of where it falls on the map. If you were to, you know, lay out your house with the map, it really speaks to relationship energy. And so when you're trying to go out in the world and be seen, you know, whether you're trying to launch your own business or you're trying to get a promotion or you're trying to, you know, um, do something in the community and you don't feel like you're being well-respected or well-received, I'm going to tell you to look in the bedroom because if you don't prioritize yourself, no one else is going to. Right. You know, it's so funny. It's love and relationships, at least, you know, in the, in the map, but we often don't realize the obvious, which is that relationships come in all forms, not just romantic. Yes, they do. And the other thing that the bedroom really caters to is boundaries. So when you have all of that overflow coming into your bedroom, it really tells me that you don't have any boundaries. It tells me you put everyone else first. So when you're trying to spice up a relationship, you have to set that boundary. The other thing I will tell people is like, make sure that you don't have like the big Buddha in the bedroom. Make sure you don't have pictures of your kids watching you or your parents or whatever. Like, and it's funny because people do. And it, it it's like, you're, all these people are watching you. You cool with that? It really needs to be a space that's reflective of the both of you. And, and if you have pictures up, um, you know, or art that you both love, pictures of you that you both love, like really play to that energy, support that energy. Yes. I was always taught never to have like a, a, an altar that's centered around a figure in the bedroom. And I mean, obviously there are exceptions to every rule, but it is really funny when you think about it, especially if you don't have a traditional altar, you're just like, I like this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I get it. And again, it goes back to what's working for you in this moment. Let's say that you've just gone through a relationship, you're, you completely lost yourself in the relationship and you're trying to get back to you. Yeah. Then an altar is going to make sense. You know, you're not going to need to cater to these sort of relationship shui suggestions because you're taking care of you. you're nurturing you. But when you're ready to get back out there, you go, okay, now we need to reevaluate. Right. And this space needs to say something different. Right. I love that. I guess, you know, it shows how important it is to make sure that, you know, we're not just like doing things in these different areas because we're quote unquote supposed to, but we actually have to look at what our goals are for those areas of our lives. Absolutely. I will tell you when people say to me, I heard that this is bad. Should I do this? I immediately need to know why are you doing this? So yeah, like a really popular, a really popular misconception out there is a mirror in the bedroom. Everyone's like, oh, I hear it so bad. And you know, the the spectrum of why it's bad is (laughs) wide. (laughs) But here's the truth. A, A mirror in the bedroom is not bad. If you're sleeping well, you don't have clutter all over your bedroom. You feel great. You're, you know, your well-being, you're, you're thriving, you're out there doing what you do. I would not touch that mirror. 
But if you're really struggling with those things, yeah. If you struggle with those things, then let's have a conversation about the mirror. You know, so it's never, I, I, the only thing I would say that's really, really hardcore feng shui, and it's just from an energetic perspective. And honestly, when feng shui started, it didn't exist is like the clutter thing. You know, you have to understand why the clutter's there, but if you're just like, oh, I just don't have the energy to deal with it. Can I do something else? No, no, you don't get to get out of jail for free on this one. <laughs> right. I mean, when I was an interior designer, that was always the first place we started people would be like oh like how can I decorate and I would say well first get rid of half of your junk yeah <laughs> yeah and I don't think that people realize how much of that is weighing them down how much of that is actually sabotaging all of the things that they spend so much time journaling and trying to manifest and you know meditating over it's like that stuff is is it has its own energetic fingerprint and it's touching everything and so your clarity is really compromised. You know, it, it's a bigger deal than I think people realize. I mean, thankfully we have Marie Kondo now and she's kind of given it to everybody. <laughs> Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Queen Marie. <laughs> I, it really shows that we have to be paying attention to what is actually happening. You know, I remember actually recently I was listening to a podcast. I forget which one, but it was with, I believe, a, like a crystal expert. And one of the questions that this person said they got a lot was, you know, like, are crystals bad in the bedroom? And they said the same thing. They said, you know, they're amplifiers. So if you're having trouble sleeping, that could definitely be a problem. But if you're sleeping fine, then what are you worried about? You know? <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's where, you know, you have these ancient practices, but you need to still apply some sort of modern sensibility. Okay. So the next topic is my favorite topic and probably all of your clients' favorite topics as well. Money. Yes. <laughs> Show it to me. Show it to me is what everyone wants. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And so I, like I told my little story at the beginning, which was interesting. Let's look at money. So Venus rules abundance and in the attractive sense of like where we can have cash and opportunities, which are always linked to cash, just flow. So it's, again, it's less about like, how can I like go out and hustle, but more, how can it just naturally be coming to me all the time? So are there ways we can use feng shui to, you know, bring money to us constantly? <laughs> yeah. You know, actually when you translate feng shui, it's wind, water and wind is energy, water's fortune. So like the entire practice is just being in alignment with the energy of fortune and fortune is, I, I you know, I, uh, often refer to it as like the umbrella company because fortune isn't just money. It's not just, you know, your paycheck or your investments or your 401k or spending cash, whatever. It's your house. It's your social network. It's your, um, family support. It's having access to opportunities. It's feeling creative. It's having an outlet for your creative expression. It's all of the things that truly make you healthy, wealthy, and happy. And so when you talk about energy, like let's just use that word, energy needs to be able to move around. And when you come into a space where it's not able to move around, you're not going to be able to welcome that fortune into your life. And so the first thing that I would tell people is make sure that as you're moving through your space, that you think about wind or water. Are there places where it's maybe moving too quickly? Are there places where it would get stagnant? 
and sit and nothing happened. I mean, you know, a hot day with no wind is pretty miserable. And the same thing, you know, water that's not moving gets stagnant pretty quickly and no one wants that. So you want to address how energy flows through your space first and foremost. And then you can start applying some of the feng shui cures or remedies for money. Um, You know, moving water in particular is a really popular feng shui cure. You'll hear people talk about aquariums or water fountains. And while I think that those are great and they're absolutely powerful cures, they're also high maintenance. Um, Many years ago, I thought I would try the whole goldfish gig. And let me tell you, I will never do that again. (laughs) What happened? They were just really high maintenance. Like I was having to clean the bowl every day. And I just thought, what have I gotten myself into? Like I'm spending, like someone should be paying me to do this. I'm doing this to bring money in. Right. Well, you don't realize that goldfish are actually very dirty fish. (laughs) I mean, they are. And it was just, oh my gosh, it was so high maintenance. So what I tell people to do is cultivate rituals around moving water that you already use. So turn your bath into an opportunity to cultivate wealth. When you hit the coffee or the tea in the morning, see that as an opportunity to cultivate wealth. When you're drinking your water, recognize that that is wealth. I mean, truly having access to water is wealth for so many other people in this world, right? So when you start thinking of those and applying your intention, you are working with the moving water energy. Other ways that we express moving water is through anything that expresses water. So it can be, you know, if you get a book and you see all the different elements, this is kind of where I'm pulling from, but water is expressed through glass, through crystal, through reflective surfaces like your mirrors. Um, It's also your really dark colors. So black or any color that would have a touch of black in it. So Think inky colors like your dark, dark blues or your espresso brown or your really dark gray or your aubergine purple, like those kind of colors. Um, It can be abstract art or watercolor, anything that's free flowing, whether that's patterns or clothes or the way that a blanket sits on a, a chair, you know, just kind of pooling there. All of those are ways to really bring water into your space. And you need water. You really need water to um, support that wealth energy. You don't want to go overboard and have too much. I alluded earlier that you want to have a good balance of the five elements. But if your house or your space currently is void of water expressions, that's a really great thing to bring in to get that energy moving into your life. Wow. Um, yeah. And then one other one other suggestion that um, I don't think I've ever shared anywhere. So you guys are going to get this. Um, you can pair any sort of dark color with gold. You know, gold is like metal. Metal is coin. And when you pair those together, so it could be something you wear. It could be something that you set up on your altar. You know, you can get as creative as you want with this. But when you pair gold with kind of those dark colors, that's really good for translating um, energy into opportunities for making money. Wow. It's so crazy, the whole element thing. I'm literally looking around right now and I'm seeing how much, I mean, what I'm perceiving as earth. And, oh, like a lot of earth. I mean, I don't know exactly what goes with what, but it's like 
wow, there's really not a lot of water happening in here. <laughs> right. And this is why some of those rituals, like just buying fresh flowers, you know, they don't have to be anything super expensive. You can buy baby's breath, you know, for three bucks a bundle and it'll go into a couple of jelly jars, but you know, bringing those things in or taking a minute to have the tea, you know, it's not really indulgent. You're actually activating other things on your behalf. And in this case, you know, wealth. Right. Wow. So I'm going to do, I'm going to like get on this and get rich. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me say too, you know, there are two other things that I like to encourage people to think about when we're talking about money. And I actually just posted this funny enough um, today on Instagram. So you can pop over there and read it if you want. Um, but it really is understanding that wealth comes from two things. One, practicing gratitude, you know, having a deep, regular appreciation for what you already have. And then two, letting go and letting go sometimes translates as forgiveness, not holding grudges, not letting things get stuck in place. Because if things get stuck in place, what happens? The energy can't move. And that's the same thing in our body. So when we're willing to feel the feels and let things go, and it's a process, it doesn't happen immediately, but constantly working on it, honoring that process and letting things go will also help wealth energy show up. Awesome. I love it. And with any of these areas, I mean, I'm sure people ask about it in terms of money, probably the most, but are there, I mean, assuming we've done the decluttering, we've cleaned up, we've handled the big, you know, the big underlying foundational issues. Are there any, I mean, you, you might laugh when I ask this question, but I have to ask it. Are there, yes. are there any quick fixes in feng shui? Like, are there any things we can do that can really like, usher in money fast or usher in like, you know, maybe it's Thursday night and you really want some dates for this weekend, usher in those dates fast. Are there any quick fixes or are we just kind of out of luck? Um, you know what? I think that you can do quick fixes and yeah. So for money, I would tell someone, okay, you want a quick fix right now? I want you to pull out your wallet. Let's have a conversation about what's happening in your wallet. Do you have a lot of debt? Maybe it's time to take some of those credit cards out of there. Do you show respect to your money? Are your bills facing the same way? What's your coin situation? Um, put a little salt, you know, salt is the original crystal. It draws energy to it. Put a little salt in your wallet and really maintain that space, like show money respect and money will, you know, show up in your life. Um, if you're not using your kitchen, get like, like channel your barefoot Contessa. Like this is now what you need to do because when we use the stove and the oven, that is a wealth booster. And you know, the idea is that if you have the fortune to feed others and others come and they're able to receive your fortune, then the universe sees this and provides you more. So getting people into your space, feeding them, using your kitchen, cooking in it, um, that is a really great way to stoke prosperity. And one of the tricks I will tell clients is stand in front of your um, stovetop every day and light all the burners. We all have a tendency if we do use our, our stoves to favor one or two burners. And that means that there are untapped prosperity possibilities right in front of you. So get into the habit, make it a nine day ritual, make it a 27 day ritual, but light the burners every day. And you just have to light them and then turn them off. But as you're doing it, set the intention that you are stoking your prosperity. I love that. I actually learned that from you. And the craziest thing, Amanda, is that we got a new stove 
replaced like i don't know maybe three months ago and before that you're gonna die we had a stove where nothing worked (laughs) and we had one like badly functioning electric burner that was like separate and i was like as soon as we got that new stove delivered i told omar my boyfriend i was like babe we're gonna get rich now (laughs) because i was thinking of what i remember you having said that in the past (laughs) Yeah. And you know what it's, and so sometimes people are like, I just want to see the deposit in my account. And and there is that experience, but there's also the idea of when your well being is supported by the energy of what's happening around you, you're able to go out into the world and work and show up and be available to opportunities. And so that well being part of it is just as big. Well, thank you, Amanda, so much for this amazing, amazing conversation today. Just to wrap up, I'd love to know how our listeners can find out more about you and your work, and if there's anything else you would like to share as we close out here. Well, I will say that the best place to get daily tidbits, or almost daily, is over on Instagram at Amanda Gibby Peters. Um, I also share a lot in my newsletter, so if you want to sign up for those, I would go to my site, simpleshui.com, and that's simple. Shui is S-H-U-I.com. You can sign up for the newsletter there. There's also a blog that I post a lot of things on. Those are all really great resources. And I have been doing this a long time. So there's a lot of information. If you have the patience to come, it's there. Um, But the other thing that I'm doing right now is I have a little special and I'm going to extend this for your listeners if they are interested. Um, So I set aside 10 consults for the month of June that I was offering at a discounted rate for $4.99. My consult rate is usually $6.99. And for your listeners, if anyone emails me when they hear this and they say Venus, I will extend that same savings to them for a full consult. Amazing. What an amazing offer. And everybody, I will have links to all of those resources in the show notes. So don't worry if you didn't have a pen or pencil with you, you will have access to all of those amazing resources. I look to Amanda's Instagram every day for tips, just like she said, and her newsletter is amazing. I highly, highly, highly recommend taking advantage of those offers. I might have to be booking a consult with you because (laughs) we could use a little help. It's not so bad, actually. After listening to this, to our conversation and listening to your comments, I am, I'm like, okay, we have like some things that are going on that are actually pretty good, but we could use some help in some other areas. (laughs) Everybody does. Here's the thing. No one is a literal disaster. Nobody there. You always feng shui is in our DNA. Everyone is doing several things right and in their favor. I I promise you, I can go into any space and spot those. So everyone can just give themselves a pat on the back right now. And just like you, there's probably just a few things that need tweaking. That's it. Well, I love your approach. I love how open-minded you are about us being human. And I want to thank you so, so much for joining us on the show today. No, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the conversation. This was a lot of fun. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with Amanda to talk more about feng shui, check out the links in the show notes to find out more. And until next episode, I hope you have a wonderful week. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, be sure to leave a five-star review in the Apple Podcast app and share it with a friend. I would love to hear from you. Let's continue the conversation on Instagram. DM me at rebirth underscore 
of Venus. And be sure to grab your free ritual guide at rebirthofvenus.com.